0: on the marquette university golden eagles sports network from learfield welcome to marquette thursdays live from motor sports bar and restaurant at the harley davidson museum brought to you by marquette athletics champion partners aurora healthcare helping you to live fully pepsi and win trust wisconsin's bank the official bank of marquette Now, here is your host, Jen Lada. Now, here is your host, Jen Lada.
1: Welcome into Marquette Thursdays, live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum in downtown Milwaukee. I am Jen Lado. What a crowd we have here tonight for the second-to-last Marquette Thursdays of the season. And we are celebrating this evening a very successful homestand for your Marquette Golden Eagles. Three straight wins, each by at least 22 points, including victories over DePaul, Xavier, and last night's victory, 91-69 over Providence. It was a pretty balanced effort offensively. For the Golden Eagles, in part because also oh, Iguodaro only played 20 minutes. Tyler Kolick left the game in the second half with an oblique injury, and I think we'll start there with head coach Shaka Smart. Let's not draw out the suspense at all. Everybody wants to know what the latest is on your senior guard Tyler Kolick. What can you tell us?
2: Well, he spent a lot of time today with uh, our training staff and our doctors, and he's still, you know, being evaluated. He did, you know, injure a muscle in his his oblique. Uh, Don't really have a timetable on exactly when he'll get back, you know, he didn't do anything today uh, practice-wise But you know, Tyler's a guy that I can promise you this as soon as he's available and and it's physically capable of of coming back He will be back Um, But at the same time he you know, he tried to go back in the game after you know He he sustained that injury and it just it was you know, it was too painful uh, to play so uh, we want to make sure we get that right, you know, for him, um, and, and, you know, right now they're still kind of figuring out what the right course of action is in terms of the short term.
1: Well, the core is a lot like the back, right? You don't yeah. realize how much you're using it for every single thing you're doing, and in passing especially, yeah. and that's a major part of what he wants to do. Well, that's there.
2: how he heard it, you know, making a pass, uh, you know, kind of twisting his body, and. It is a unique injury for basketball you know you see it more much more often in baseball mm-hmm. you know with with the you know violent movement of your body uh, kind of twisting uh, but it's something that uh, I, I don't know that you necessarily can tough through it you know it's not like uh, you know he sprained his ankle before the Illinois game and he just went out there and just kind of pulled the Willis Reed I, I don't know that it's that type of injury which is uh, you know something that kind of is what it is and uh, you know, we've got good doctors and trainers and they'll make sure that you know, they put him in the best position
1: Barquette nation of course wants him back out there But they also want him healthy not only does he lead the nation in assists per game at 7.6 But just this week bollock was named to the oscar robertson player of the year watch list Just another accolade that we can throw on tyler Kolek's resume I want to talk about that Providence game last night a little bit. The last time that Marquette met Providence was back in December. I think a lot of people will remember how that one went down, 72-57. The word vengeance, Coach Smart, was used a lot on the broadcast last night. They made it seem as though you had mentioned that in some of your coaches' meetings. How much was that a point of emphasis headed into that game?
2: That was our game theme, actually. Vengeance. Yeah, it, uh, we gave. sometimes we give the guys a definition of the word. Uh, This is not the full definition, but basically it's to right a wrong. So we feel like what happened uh, on December 19th at Providence was was a wrong, and uh, we wanted to make it
1: right. And the game was very physical. That did not go unnoticed for me sitting on my couch. I was getting very angry about some of the yeah. physicality. And we talk about how often the Big East games are very physical. But there was one play in particular that I wrote down. The Josh Odoro checking Stevie Mitchell early second half. Oso came to his defense. They teed up Oso on that, which I thought they missed on the first one. What was your read on how the whole situation went down?
2: Well, my read on the situation was we were winning 50-26 to 26 at halftime. And the coach of Providence, who's a great young coach, uh, he's got an unbelievably bright future, I would imagine questioned his team's manhood in the locker room. So his team, who has a lot of grown men, came out and they played with a level of physicality and aggressiveness that at times maybe even exceeded the boundaries of the rules of the game, uh, which is not uncommon for the Big East. And so you saw that on that play. I mean, Josh 24 years old. He's got a wife and a kid. You know, this is this is not some young guy playing the game. Of Recently,
1: right? I think they maybe mentioned yes. that on the broadcast as well. Uh,
2: so, uh, yes, there was a there was a hard foul there on Stevie. Uh, oh, oh, so was technical it was it was a a funny one because he just kind of went over and he said, "Hey, man, what are you doing?" But he did kind of push him a lightly. Yes. Push him, uh, and it was unfortunate because they got two shots in the ball when it would have been our ball, but. Fortunately, we had a 27th point cushion.
1: So you guys were in a position where that doesn't affect you severely, but it was—it got my ire up as a Marquette fan because I was like, hey, call it both ways, which, of course, we have seen at times the Big East officials or whoever is out there. Sometimes it doesn't work that way.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to be an official. Mm -hmm. Um, Those guys have really challenging jobs. I think the the bias in the Big East for sure is let them play, you know, and that we're going to call less. Uh, you know, we I, I think there's a real emphasis to the officials to not decide the outcome of the game. And so, if one group is going to be physical, let the other group be physical, and make sure the better team can win. You know, that works sometimes. Uh, but but obviously, we have certain rules in basketball that um, you know we're planning to go by, <laughs> uh, and so it can get out of bounds at times. Uh, but again, those guys have a hard job because. You want to keep the better players in the game, the matchup, for example, of Oso against Josh Oduro, or on Saturday against Creighton, Oso against Ryan Cockburn, who's a great player. Uh, The fans want to see those guys playing. The teams want those guys in the game. Uh, The last thing they want is the officials to give them, you know, a couple fouls early and have them on the bench. But at the same time, there's got to be a point at which, hey, that's a foul.
1: We've talked about Stevie Mitchell a little bit here with that foul specifically. He is often tasked with guarding your opponent's top perimeter player. Last night he held Big East Player of the Year finalist, Devin Carter. We know he's a good player. We have seen him do uh, really well out there. Scoreless on 28 possessions. He also forced a couple of turnovers. What more can we say about the impact that Stevie Mitchell is having on this team defensively?
2: He's terrific on defense. You know, I I think... Um, Some other people are starting to take notice of that, but he doesn't get as much recognition beyond our You know our fans and our program as he deserves his impact on the defensive end is is beyond anything statistical Um, He just does a phenomenal job um, As we used to say at VCU uh, wreaking havoc on the other team and You know he he gets his hand on the basketball. He's disruptive. Uh, He makes people miss he helps his teammates. His multiple efforts are phenomenal. And he's such an energy giver that um, he's one of a kind.
1: Defensively, Ben Gold had a great game last night. I think he was he awesome. Do yeah. he have three blocks in the game?
2: Benny Gold, he is really coming into his own. We had a little event on Tuesday at the dining hall. Yes, Ben Gold. It's, we've talked about this before. If you don't like Ben Gold, then there's something wrong with you. Uh, And so we had an event at the dining hall on Tuesday where the students were able to come and they got um, basically lunch, you know, paid for by us. And so uh, I was there, Ben, Chase, Oso, and Cam Brown. And everybody wanted to take pictures with Ben. You know, it was nothing against those other guys or me, but it was like Ben was the star. And he's, uh, you know, very well liked uh, by the female Marquette students, which is great. Um, you know he's just—he's he, a friendly guy. He's got a great spirit about him, a great energy, and he's starting to realize how good he can be. So it was terrific to see him get his hands on the basketball, fly around, uh, and be great on the defensive end.
1: Here on Marquette Thursdays with Head Coach Shaka Smart of your Marquette Golden Eagles, we want to take a moment and recognize the Big East Player of the Week, Cam Jones. And if y'all are going to clap for Ben Gold, we should at least get something going for Cam Jones. He had a pair of 34-point games in a 2-0 week for the Golden Eagles, combining to shoot 72% from the floor and 70% from three-point range. He's the first East player to score 34 points or more in back-to-back league games since Marcus Howard in 2018-2019. He had 17 points in last night's game, I believe in 30-plus minutes. What is working for Cam right now?
2: I think he's really in the moment. He's, he's very present uh, he's very alert and aware. Cam Jones is a unique guy. He, he's got a lot of uh, really cool, uh, uh, eccentric ways about him that make him special and unique. Uh, but, but really, when he's locked in in the present moment, when he's giving his teammates energy, his spirit and his energy is really, really high. Uh, he plays well because he's a terrific talent.
1: We do something on our show on, on 94.5 ESPN where we power rank things. So I'm going to give you three things regarding this homestand that you guys had. I have here that your team shot 55% from the floor, 43% from three, and you held opponents to 39% from the floor. Power rank those three things from order of importance to least importance. I know they're all important to your team's success.
2: So you said 55%, 55% from the floor. 55 from the floor,
1: 43 from three, and holding opponents to 39 from the floor. And I know you love your defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think all those things go together. I think when you make the other team miss, um, you know, it's good for your offense, and you can and you can go the other way. So, uh, I think starting with keeping the other team under forty percent is a great start. But definitely putting the ball in the basket and putting the ball in the basket from outside is is very very important. So. I'm sorry, I'll just put them all at a tie.
1: Oh, that's the easy way out. All right, they're all a tie. We know that they are all important. Um, we saw on the broadcast last night, there was a moment where you were outside of the huddle, And Oso Iguodaro was sitting in your chair, and he was talking to the guys, getting them fired up, and then you stepped in, and the broadcasters remarked that the messages were eerily similar, which is a great sign. What was Oso doing in that moment, and why is it important to empower those guys?
2: Well, that's the first half of all of our media timeouts. So if it's not a 30-second timeout where everyone's standing up, if it's the longer timeout where the five guys in the game are sitting down, then we tell the players, you guys have the first half of it and somebody take the head coach's chair. So most of the time it's Tyler or Oso, sometimes Stevie, sometimes Cam, sometimes even maybe one of our walk-ons will take that spot. But it's great training for those guys, you know, for later in life when they are, you know, completely in charge. And it's also great for, in that moment, guys messaging each other, uh, getting on the same page. Train Norman had a great comment in one of those huddles, because we actually record each of those huddles, with an iPad. we we'll get some great stuff in there. And Trey Mormon said, there is no vengeance without violence. And I was like, wow, that's, that's powerful. Really, really powerful thing. And so we try to empower all of our guys, even the freshmen, to speak up in those huddles and help each other
1: sounds like a line from a movie. We're going to see it in a Western coming out. I might catch it in Yellowstone next season. Somebody's going to steal it and you throw might. it in there. We'll have to credit Troy Norman. Uh, that win, we talked about it, guarantees a top five finish in conference play and a bye in the first round of the Big East tournament. We know the job is not done yet, but obviously making steps towards the final goal. We're going to take a break here on Marquette Thursdays with head coach Shaka Smart. Come right back, talk a little bit more about things that are going on in the college basketball game right now. But first, enjoy an our- art stylish experience at St. Kate the Arts Hotel. With deluxe accommodations, culinary creativity, on-site art galleries, and nightly live music, you'll enjoy every element of your stay at St. Kate. Learn more at stkatearts.com. That's stkatearts.com. At Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum, I'm Jen Latta. Joining you for Marquette Thursdays, and head coach Shaka Smart stays with us. Don't wreck a great time at the game. The Marquette Golden Eagles remind you to drive sober or get pulled over. Visit zeroinwisconsin.gov to learn more. Zero in Wisconsin, together we can save lives. Wisconsin D.O.T. We were just talking during the break about how there's a lot of stuff happening in the college basketball space, and one of the conversations that has really dominated a lot of the narrative right now in the conversation, is the court storming as you saw a couple of incidents where players kind of got stuck in the scrum of fans celebrating their team's big win, sometimes an upset often an upset and then the um, I guess <laughs> I lost the word I guess the idea of whether or not court storming should continue to exist so where do you stand on court storming have you been a part of them before where do you think it lands as far as the fabric of college basketball goes
2: Well, I've been a part of it on both sides. Um, I've been on the home winning team. Uh, My first year as a head coach, my third game ever as a head coach, we beat a nationally ranked team. And I still have the picture somewhere of the core. I mean, the the pictures are, to me, maybe the best part. I mean, uh, there's the picture uh, from Marquette over Villanova, maybe – Five, six years ago, when Villanova was number one, and I think that was before FISERV was built. I think it was in the Bradley Center. Awesome picture. And you you have, I mean, I know you do college football. Unbelievable, these iconic uh, photos and uh, videos. So, you know, I hate to say, like, it's an absolute. You should take it away because it is something that's very, very unique to college basketball. You don't have that in the NBA you don't have that in the NFL, um, but college sports—it's—it's it's a very unique thing. At the same time, you know, you sure want to keep everybody safe, and you know, I think it's—it's it, kind of incumbent upon the folks that are running the operation of the actual game at the home venue, um, particularly if their team, you know, has a chance to win that game, to be prepared. It's amazing how often they're caught unprepared. I do remember one time I was coaching a game, I won't say where, and we were nationally ranked, and they had a whole protocol that they gave us before the game, and then they gave it to us again in the media timeout at the under 8 media for what would happen if that team beat us and the court fans stormed the court. We absolutely used that as motivation. we heck no, you're not storming the court on us. No way. And On that night, that court storming did not happen because we won the game. But sometimes, you know, obviously the home team wins and, you know, the the fans storm the court. I think just getting the players off the court safely is the biggest key.
1: And I think it's naive to believe that programs don't recognize the value in having those snapshots you, know, you oh. remember, obviously, the court stormings you've been a part of. I think about I was at the Clemson-Syracuse game five years ago at this point, and that is an elevated stance where yes. you have to, like, leap down. It's a good six-foot fall. There were people who wanted to be on that field so bad celebrating their team's victory that they were breaking their ankles yeah. to get down there.
2: That's why I say, and if there's any way for it not to be an absolute, um, it's a great thing for college sports. As long as nobody gets hurt. Now, can you guarantee no one's going to get hurt? I, I don't know that. You certainly, in the case of the Duke situation, uh, you got to get that I mean, a kid's seven feet. He's like a huge target. And people are, like, running into him. you got to get that kid off the court. Uh, it's funny. People reacted a little bit differently on both sides because it was Duke. <laughs> right. People either love Duke or hate Duke. But I, I don't really think it matters who it is. Uh, we definitely have to keep people safe.
1: Have you ever been made aware of protocol at surf Forum? I mean, you guys have a big game coming up at home. If there were to be a victory of that sort, have you been told what the reality is at that venue? You
2: know, uh, since I've been at Marquette, there's really not been a lot of court storming. Uh, you know, we've beaten some good teams, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, maybe at, when you're at places where there's a, an expectation or, or a, uh, you know, a plan that that's going to happen, maybe there's less of that. You know, sometimes... The best court-stormings I know in the past sometimes have been just kind of spur of the moment. Spontaneous. You know, just, it, it happens and, and everyone runs out there. but. Uh, certainly there has to be a plan to protect people.
1: Yeah, and I have always said, like, like you said, in college sports, the fans are so much a part of the atmosphere, so much a part of the environment, it happens so infrequently, I want to be able to preserve their ability to be on the court, to be on the field, celebrating with those players when the situation warrants it. Another big topic that you've seen circulating around college basketball in the last few weeks is this net rankings debate. Scott Van Pelt on ESPN the other night on his show SportsCenter did his one big thing about net rankings now the net rankings for those who might not be as familiar they take into account game results strength of schedule game location net offense and defensive efficiency and the quality of wins and losses Clemson head coach Brad Brunel claimed that the Big 12 has manipulated their net rankings by their out of conference scheduling basically playing lower teams beating them by big margins 40 or 50 points at some point and then that helps them with their net rankings which the ncaa takes into account when they put their bracket together for the ncaa tournament where do you stand on that situation
2: i mean i don't i don't disagree with what brad brownell said i don't disagree with what scott van pelt said everyone has the opportunity to to set their non-conference schedule if you want to play you know the weakest team in college basketball, if they're willing to play you, you can schedule that game. There
1: were a couple of programs that took strays during that conversation.
2: Um, I, I, I think that, you know, it used to be there was really no credence given to how much you won by, it was just did you win or did you lose. Then they said, well, you know, we got to factor in like how dominant teams are. Take our last three games, for example. Mm-hmm. We could have left our starters in for longer in those games, um, and we conceivably we could have won by more points. Technically, that does affect your net ranking. Uh, now, I would like to believe that the NCAA Selection Committee is made up of s- smart enough people that they can you know, look at the stat but also watch the games, look at all the other statistics, compare the teams, Compare head-to-head matchups and, you know, come up with a good evaluation that goes beyond the numbers. Because, yeah, I mean, maybe if we won a game by 25 and we could have won by 40, you know, maybe that makes our net ranking higher. And I think Brad Brownell has a point. I was in the Big 12 as a coach. I could see those guys sitting around the table saying, listen, let's schedule these certain teams. Let's beat the mess out of them. We help each other. Then when we get in league play, we help each other's numbers. I could see that. Um, but you know the selection committee again I think is going to weigh more than just that net ranking.
1: Okay and then the last thing that we've been talking about in college basketball over the last few weeks is this potential for expanding the NCAA pool and people seem to think that it's not great the way that it is even though I think it's fantastic and a lot of people out there think it's perfect exactly the way that it is they're trying to figure out ways to get more teams involved in the NCAA tournament where do you stand on that conversation?
2: I think it's a terrific litmus test of how people feel about change. You know, you don't like change. I ah, don't change. it. It's perfect the way it is. I
1: think it is perfect.
2: You like change? Yeah, yeah. Come on, let's let's go to 916. Yeah, sure. Remember, Marquette chose not to play in the NCAA tournament Al McGuire in 1970 because of flaws in the in the selection and the slotting of teams. They were trying to send Marquette, I believe, to something like Fort Worth, Texas. When there was, you know, regions that were much closer, um, Maryland, back in the Lefty drizzle days, had a phenomenal team, but lost to NC State in 1974, their conference championship. The same team that beat Marquette in the championship game, the team we just celebrated, Maryland didn't even make the NCAA tournament. That's why the tournament expanded after 1974. So. I think there's been good reasons for expansion in the past i think the reasons for expansion over the next five to ten years to me would be if there are any threats to keeping the opportunity to make the ncaa tournament alive for schools that are not in the power five football conferences Uh, again i've been in those conferences there's certainly sentiment at times in rooms saying, hey, let's go do our own thing. Now, I, I don't know if I see that ever happening with the men's basketball tournament because it's so so special the way it is. That would be pretty crazy to exclude the Gonzagas of the world and the Villanovas of the world uh, with what they've done. But if expanding it means keeping access for everyone, you know, to if you have a good enough season, uh, then I would be all for it. But... You know, I don't care what the number of teams are that are allowed in the tournament. We're going to fight to get in the tournament every year. And if we do get in the tournament, we're going to celebrate the heck out of the fact that we accomplished that. And then we're going to fight to advance. So whether it's 68, 80, 96, 128, whatever it is. We're going after it.
1: I think I was reading an article today that said that if the 96 field had been approved and were what were you were dealing with this year, you would have teams that have 15 and 13 records, though, in the NCAA field. So it becomes a question of are you watering down the competition and would those early games still have the same draw with a team that maybe has a 500 or a barely 500 record?
2: Well, you watered down the competition after 1974 when Maryland was one of the top five teams in the country and didn't make it into the tournament. You watered it down so that that didn't happen. So you can't really have it both ways. Um, I, I agree with you that it's not like anyone right now is being excluded from the tournament. That is that's deserving, particularly deserving. Sure. Now, right now, I think it's 18% of Division One teams make the the tournament. Um, so I tell our guys all the time, hey, don't think you're entitled to be in that 18%. We have to earn that. Every single day. And I appreciate the way our guys are. We go about it that way. We go after it. And hopefully we can keep doing that.
1: All right. we got to take a break here on Marquette Thursdays live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum. Really interesting stuff there from head coach Shaka Smart. And we will continue here in just a moment. But first, Marquette fans, secure your spot in the fight next year with the 2024-2025 new season ticket deposit. Look, we're already talking about next season. Current season ticket members locking renewal with a $100 deposit before April 1st to be entered to win a signed Shaka Smart Basketball. Place your deposit at gomarquette.com/backslash tickets or email them at athleticsmarquette.edu at for more information. Back here at Motor in just a moment. Stick around. Thursday's live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley Davidson Museum. Tonight's Marquette player interview is brought to you by Trust, Wisconsin's Bank, the official banking partner of Marquette University and home to Marquette Checking with free ATMs nationwide. We are so lucky to be joined by Caden Hamilton tonight. He's a six-nine redshirt freshman from California, and I'm not sure if a lot of Marquette fans know your backstory. They obviously know that you joined the team this fall, and that was even a bit of a surprise. So let's start at the very beginning. How did you end up at Marquette?
3: So um, I was on a, another visit from Drexel, so then I had opportunity to go play for a prep school for like two weeks. So I stayed at my prep school for two weeks, and one of the assistant coaches, Cody, had seen me out there, and then it was a long process, and then I asked to come early to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: why did you want to be here early? Like, what was the incentive to be here versus going down that other path?
3: Um, because I got to work with Oso, bang on him every day, oh. practice with him, yeah. <laughs>
1: What do you like about Oso? We obviously are huge fans of him. We've yeah. seen the evolution of his game. When you look at him, what uh, benefit does he have for your career and your, your journey?
3: Um, he's like a—he's a really great leader, and like he's one of the best big. He is the best big man in the Big East, and he's the only one who can really—he's like a point guard but a center at the same time. So.
1: So is that a goal of yours then? Obviously yeah. you've got the height. We talked about how you're six nine. Yeah. I have read that you've put on 17 pounds of muscle yeah. since you've been on campus. So is that the goal then, to bang around on the inside, or do you want to have like kind of the game that Oso has, which is a little more well-rounded? Both. So all of it. Yeah. I want all of it. You're going to yeah. be the ball handler as well. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. talk about that 17 pounds. How have you put on nearly 20 pounds of muscle in six months?
3: So I'd be, I'd be working with uh, our strength coach, Toshman. Um, so every day I go in there, just lift all the time, and then I'll go straight to practice after that.
1: Okay, but what about the food consumption? I'm assuming that's a big part of it, she'll right? We have
3: a nutritionist, Christian. she be, she be helping me a lot.
1: What is she making you eat? you got to give us 411.
3: give us, like, meals in, um, in our refrigerator, and just, it'll have my name on it, and I'll just eat it and take it home
1: what what do we got are we doing some chicken right. are we doing some pasta what do we got in there
3: yeah it'd be, be different every time so you don't get bored of it all the time uh-huh. so like, sometimes it'd be like an enchilada or something an
1: enchilada yeah. but it's, it's all for the purpose of putting on muscle right yeah. so it's all heavy protein then and yeah okay and how many workouts are we doing how often are we lifting in order to get that strength so
3: i'll have a workout like super early in the morning right before class and then after my classes are done then i'll go lift and then do my, all my stuff and sometimes like um, I'll live with the team sometimes or I'll be with the scouts and helping the teammates get better and stuff. So and then for game days, it's super bad for game days. We'll be we we'll be doing like crazy the craziest workouts, like conditioning workouts right before games and then I'll go watch the game and stuff.
1: We are talking with Caden Hamilton here at Motor Bar and Restaurant, Marquette Thursdays. He's a redshirt freshman on the Marquette basketball team. Uh, came from California. I'm sure you appreciate the weather that we have here in Wisconsin. Is that taken some getting used to? Yeah,
3: for sure. I, I mean, it
1: was 70 the other day.
3: Yeah, it, was, it felt like California.
1: <laughs> and then 20, like 24 hours yeah, later. Crazy. Um, what's been the biggest transition, besides the weather, the change from California to Wisconsin, what's been the biggest transition for you from being in high school, playing ball, dominating at that level, and now being at Marquette?
3: Um, I had to start over again. Like I, was a, like, I was like one of the top dogs in my program, and now I'm back here at the bottom, just trying to find my way up.
1: So what's the hardest part about that?
3: Um, I'll say the, dif- the different speeds in the game. Like, high school is so much slower than college basketball. It's crazy. <laughs>
1: That's what I hear. I think you were a defensive player of the year at your high school um, Or in your league Mm -hmm. in high school Um, And obviously there's a major emphasis on defense here at Marquette So how much did that play a role in you really feeling at home with this program?
3: It's good. It's really good. Um, They welcomed you like really fast. It was crazy Um, But yeah, they really do emphasize on defense. It's, It's cool though
1: you get homesick at all?
3: I did the first semester. It was bad for me, yeah Like but when I went home, Shaq so all this me like, once you go home, like you're gonna realize it's really like you're not like moving forward and like you're not getting better, you know. It's the same thing. So, not really. This is my home now. but I really don't miss home like that too much. But.
1: In what ways are you leaning? You already talked about how Oso has an influence on your career. In what ways are you leaning on the guys around you to really uh, accelerate that transition to being a college basketball player?
3: Um, I lean on Oso a lot. Cause like he's a he's a really good role model. Uh, but yeah, like like for practice, I'll get in game. Like when we go like up and down, like I would love to guard him all the time. Cause like it's, it's crazy to guard him. It's hard. It's super hard. But I can get better every day, though. So.
1: We talk a lot on this program about Tyler Kolick What in what ways has he made you better? Obviously, he's one of the best college basketball players. Yeah. You know, maybe the best point guard in the country. Uh-huh. In what ways has he made you a better basketball player? Even in the six months you've been here.
3: Um, defense. It's super hard to guard him once I get switched onto him, but he gives me motivation, though. Like, if I'm on his team, he will lift me up after a mistake I do.
1: So, you've been here since August. It was obviously big news when you decided to come here. People were thinking you'd be in the next class, but you yeah. came here um, as an early enrollee. What has been the best moment of your basketball career so far? This year? In, ju- let's in go general. across the entire basketball career, general. and then we'll go more specific to Marquette.
3: Okay, so uh, I won my section, like our championship section. For like my little league uh, back home in California, so that was a big accomplishment.
1: Is that the same as winning state? Well, California is broken up into regions, yeah, right? Yeah. It's such a big state.
3: No, we lost state. <laughs> we lost state.
1: All right, we'll move right past that. <laughs> so you won your region, is what you were saying, the championship yeah, yeah, yeah. there, yeah, yeah. and that was a highlight. Yeah. What do you remember about that moment?
3: Because um, like, so the previous, the previous year before that, we lost them by like a couple points, so that it was like it was really like a get back to get back at them. Yeah, I was a totally different player before that. So, yeah, it felt really good. It felt really good. I think I won MVP for that game, too.
1: Oh, congratulations. I'm not Thank surprised. You. Sounds like you win all of the accolades.
3: Now,
1: <laughs> um, well, let's talk specifically about Marquette. In yeah. the last six months, what has been the best moment of your basketball career here in Milwaukee?
3: The best moment? I'll say uh, when, I, when I first got here my visit, I got, to, I got to work out with Coach for the first time. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. It was hard, but it was good. Though. What
1: does that entail, a workout with Coach?
3: Um, it was like it was like a little like, a, like it was like a also workout like we go layups and then like it's just all like big man stuff it's, it was hard my shoulders were burning and everything it was cool <laughs> that.
1: I'm sure that Chaka is a big reason why you're here at Marquette he's such a master motivator and he's very philosophical when he does his lessons and works with young men like yourself what's been your biggest takeaway from your time with him
3: um, i say my biggest takeaway from him is like I really got to listen like listen to him like everything he says like it's true like how many people he sent to the league already So I feel like just taking advice from him learning from him is taking you me far
1: uh, We talked about you being a defensive guy Let's talk about Marquette and this run that they're on winning 11 of the last 12 games What is the vibe surrounding this team right now?
3: Uh, it's super hot right now actually <laughs> Yeah We're like we're super excited to play the grand game Um I feel like yesterday was a great defensive game, personally. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the vibe is really good right now. We're on a we're on roll right now.
1: Awesome. It has been great chatting with you, Caden. Thanks for hanging out Thank with us here at Marquette. A... Guys, Caden was real nervous. Can we show him what a great job he did this evening? Thank you. There you go. And next time it will be easier, and yeah. the next time it will be easier. And we'll, you'll be a pro in no time Thank at this. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Great insight there. Guys, I want to remind you that Buffalo Wild Wings is the official viewing party location for Marquette Road Games this season. The next watch party, March 2nd, that's at the West Allis location. That is for the game versus Creighton. Marquette watch parties will continue for all Big East and NCAA tournament games. Check out the Golden Eagles watch party schedule at GoMarquette.com forward slash BWW for upcoming locations. We'll be right back on Marquette Thursdays right after this. We are back here at Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley Davidson Museum for Marquette Thursday. So great to have Caden Hamilton here joining us today. We are also going to chit-chat with Shaka Spark in just a moment. Just three games remaining on the Marquette regular season schedule at Creighton, then UConn, and at Xavier. All quad one matchups for those of you who pay attention to that sort of thing. So Marquette will be heading to Omaha for the game against Creighton. One thing that really stood out to me when I watched that game was Sean Jones' impact. I think he had 15 points. was really successful from three. Of course, he is still recovering from the ACL injury. It was a cold start to your team the last time you played Creighton as well. How is your team different today than they were the last time you guys played?
2: Well, as you mentioned, just, you know, some personnel adjustments uh, since that game, but, you know, hopefully we've grown from a lot of the experiences we've had in the Big East. That was our third Big East game, and Saturday will be our 18th Big East game. So, you know, with each one of these experiences, particularly when you go on a road, uh, you know they're they're almost like uh, epic journeys <laughs> that you go through, and you have that chip in your pocket that you can learn from and draw upon. We're definitely going to need that at Creighton.
1: Creighton's got two players in the top five of the conference leading scorers, Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman. What's the game plan for limiting their possessions?
2: Steal their uniforms. <laughs>
1: I thought you were going to um, steal the ball, which I was like, that fits with what you try to do every single night out there. They're great
2: players. In fact, they have three of the best players in the league between those two and Ryan Cochran, their seven mm-hmm. over seven footer. Um, you know, so I, I think with those guys, you just have to make them work for what you what they get. They're going to they're definitely going to score. They're going to get some things, but you know, our goal is always to make the best players on the other team as inefficient as we possibly can. It's easier said than done. Not only are those guys really talented, uh, Coach McDermott's system puts them in a great spot, and they're very, very experienced. So they've seen whatever different teams can throw at them, and you know they've they've gained their own experience, like I just talked about our team that they can draw on. But you know, excited about our guys having the opportunity to take on that challenge together. Uh, it's one of those things when you go on the road, you got to be so incredibly connected and, and tight
1: And we know that Pfizer Forum is a very difficult place for opponents to come and play But they have their own home court advantage as well Where do you think it ranks in the Big East as far as going to other venues where you know the crowd is just gonna really be on you?
2: Yeah, it's up there. I mean, it's probably tied for first uh, In terms of you know, take Fiserv out and then all the places that we've been I mean, it's maybe three or four that are up there that are tied for first in terms of, like, you know, the intensity level and how much the fans get after you. But, um, you know, that's what you come to college to, you, to play in these type of games. And you certainly, you know, you could go on a road in a game that doesn't really mean much in March, and there could be a half-full arena or even less than that. Or you can go on the road and you got two teams that are nationally ranked competing to fight, you know, near the top of the standings, and that's what it's all about.
1: If Tyler Cole cannot go, and obviously we don't know for sure whether he'll be out there or not when you guys take the floor on Saturday, who do you see handling the ball? How do you see that going for you guys offensively and defensively?
2: My coach used to have a saying, if ifs and buts, and I can't tell you the rest.
1: Um, <laughs> I think I know how that one goes. <laughs> but,
2: you know, for us, uh, the, the good thing about our team is we've got a group of guys that are in a lot of ways offensively positionless and even on the defensive end you know play that way you know we've got a guy who's six foot ten that can bring the ball up as as well as anybody and initiate offense as well as anybody there is so we've got definitely a lot of options to do that Um, and at the same time it's the same thing when sean you know went out or you know chase missed some games stevie missed some games cam jones had an ankle injury if you're missing a player you're not asking another player to do exactly what that guy did or does. Um, you're asking each of your guys to just be the best version of themselves, and you know be as as turned up and violent as they can be in doing so.
1: This is absolutely the home stretch of the regular season. What are you telling your guys right now? Obviously, the fo- you want to be focused every single game, but you recognize that it's a long season, and then you've got the Big East Tournament, and then you've got the NCAA Tournament. So what is the mindset that you want them to be focused on for these last three games of the regular season? Yeah,
2: Jen, you would like to bring up uh, everything in totality, and I like to bring it back down to... <laughs> One
1: at a time. Today. Yeah.
2: Today's Thursday. You know, we had an opportunity to put in a good deposit. The guys did a great job. We'll wake up in the morning and do the same thing tomorrow and then fly to Omaha and get ready for Saturday. The great thing about all these games, you know, at one point it was six out of eight on the road. You don't have to play them all at the same time. You play one game at a time. You do your very, very best, regardless of result, win or loss. You turn the page, you learn from it, and you get ready for the next one.
1: In sports, there is an idea of a trap game. Sometimes they refer to the games that come before the very, very big games, and they're all big. I know, but especially a lot of fans will be focused on that market. UConn game. How do you make sure that the focus remains on the game that is on Saturday versus looking ahead?
2: Well, no disrespect to that question, but if you knew, if you know our team, that's a 9. We're playing great. I mean, what are they? Number twelve in the country. Mm-hmm. Have you watched our game? Not talking to you, but specifically everyone. Have you watched our games against Creighton in recent years? I mean, these things have been absolute knockdown, drag-out battles. Even
1: in recent, back in December, they had a two-point lead at the half.
2: Absolutely. They had had a double-figure lead earlier in the first half. Um, You know, I I, I would say that's the furthest thing from Oso Igadaro or Stevie Mitchell's mind. I do think it is very, very important that our guys have an understanding of Uh, The other team's mindset coming in so that you're not in any way surprised by how they are. Um, But in terms of overlooking uh, Creighton or any Big East opponent at this time, our guys, uh, their respect level for what we're trying to do is too high for that.
1: I want to go back to the Providence game very quickly before we let you go this evening because as that game, you guys were winning by a large margin. You were able to get some of the guys in the game that don't often get a lot of tick. Why is that so important when those opportunities present themselves for them to get that practical on-the-court experience?
2: Well, I guess we weren't worried about net rankings at that time. (laughs) Um, You know, our guys work so hard uh, in practice every single day, uh, including our walk-ons. Those guys have a very, very... You know important role in practice they play the other team in a lot of the things we do they're involved in a lot of our breakdowns offensively and defensively there's a few folks here that have seen us practice so you've you've seen what i'm talking about um by the way you know if you can ever come attend a marquette practice and i bet you can if you really work hard at it uh it's worth it it's a good behind the scenes look at what we do but if we can get some of those guys in the game that work their butt off and practice that don't normally get a chance to get in then it's a real reward for them and it's a chance not a guarantee but a chance for a very very special moment uh and i know it might seem like a small thing just making one basket but you know for a guy like cam brown earlier in the year uh for jonah lucas in back-to-back games with the threes he's hit those, are, those are, They will remember those shots and those moments and the way that their teammates reacted when they made those plays for the rest of their lives. And so it's I feel like it's important for me to give them that opportunity, especially when the game has already been determined.
1: All right, Coach, our second-to-last show here at Motor Bar and Restaurant for the season. We are what are we going to do on Thursdays? I'm sure we'll find something. You guys are still going to be playing. We'll be cheering on Marquette. Thank you, This crowd has been fantastic all year I'm sure it will be no different next week For our final show of the season And of course we are so appreciative To Motor Bar and Restaurant here at the Harley Davidson Museum For hosting us Next Thursday guys will be our final show As I mentioned You might want to make sure you get here Tyler Pollock returns to Motor Bar and Restaurant Next Thursday He will be our guest of honor on March 7th Mark your calendars We'll be right back after this Back here at Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum in downtown Milwaukee for Marquette Thursdays. If you missed earlier in the show, I want to take a moment to recognize the Big East Player of the Week. That, of course, is Cam Jones two 34-point games in a 2-0 week for the Golden Eagles. He combined to shoot 72% from the floor, 70% from three-point range, becoming the first Big East player to score 34 or more points in consecutive league games since Marcus Howard did it back in 2019 and 2020. He had 17 points in last night's win over Providence, and Wednesday's victory over Providence allowed the Golden Eagles to secure a first-round bye in the league tournament game. The team cannot finish any lower than fourth with three games remaining in the regular season. Big game this weekend at Creighton, and of course only two more on the regular season schedule, but as Coach Shaka Smart said, we're only supposed to focus on today. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum. I'm Jen Latta. We'll see you again next week.
0: Been Marquette Thursdays, live from motor bar and restaurant at the Harley Davidson Museum on the Marquette University Golden Eagles Sports Network from Learfield. Brought to you by Marquette Athletics Champion Partners, Aurora Healthcare, helping you to live fully. Pepsi and win trust. Wisconsin's Bank, the official bank of Marquette. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Marquette University Golden Eagles Sports Network.